up, people? If that sounded muted, it's because I already had the J in my mouth sucking on the delicious, delicious flavors. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're here for another Fried Squirms. We're going to get high and talk about horror movies. Interesting one this week. I think we better get high. So let's get to our green hits just right away. Danny, what you bring me today? It went, tastes good. Yeah, I went back to an old favorite of ours, dispensary that is, and went over to Greener Pastures and picked up some J's of an Indica dominant hybrid called Chili Verde. Oh, shit. Okay, it's been a minute since I had some Chili Verde. Yeah, so for those who don't know, it is a 70% Indica, 30% Sativa split. It's created through crossing the delicious key lime pie and lavender strains. And it's named after its super spicy aroma and fiery high. So with that being said, the THC levels kind of come in a little bit high. If you look over at Greener Pastures website, you can see that this particular strain is coming in at 26.2%. And for those who like to feel calm, sometimes energized, focused, happy, if you like getting the munchies and you just want to relax, this is a really good strain. It helps with chronic pain, cramps, muscle spasms, and seizures. And I did note that you're going to get some earthy, flowery, herbal, and spicy with pepper aromas and flavors with this strain. Hell yeah. I mixed it up and went to top shelf again instead of flower and picked up some I do glue for you. Now, I do glue. I know I've brought it before, but it is original glue, Gorilla Glue number four whatever you want to call it, mixed with wedding cake, which is where the I do comes from. I like that. Uh, Wedding cake is also known as triangle mint number 23, which I believe is like triangle kush with thin mints. So, or some kind of mint, maybe not thin mint, but going to be hybrid sativa dominant, but a little bit of the best of both. It's, it's supposed to start, like energizing heady and sort of move into a calming. So we'll see if that actually happens, but I know that I've just kind of enjoyed smoking it any other time I've picked it up. So that is our green hits. Along with that, we'd like to remind you that we do have a Patreon now. Please go check that shit out. You could have listened to this episode last week at our most basic. You get everything a week early at our most advanced. You get a sticker and you can talk to us. We would love to hear from you guys. If you guys ended up being at that top tier and on our Discord, we would probably even let you know when the recording is. You guys could pepper us with questions and shit yeah. while we record. It'd be a lot of fun. Sort of be in on it, and we'll get better at doing shit like that. It's just we've never like ventured into those realms yet. So Not yet, but hit us up when and if you do. Yeah, uh, we would love for you to check that out and uh, to help explore those options with us. That is going to be patreon.com slash fried squirms. With that out of the way and with us smoking some weed, I suppose we should get on to the, oh wow, guts and bolts with this genre is actually very, very on point, right? So let's go into the guts and bolts of 964 Pinocchio. Guts and Bolts. All right. Guts and Bolts, 964 Pinocchio. Who and what went into the making of this flick? We'll start off with a spoiler-free setup. Now, here's the funny thing. Almost any time you look up information on this movie, if it's on, like, an official website and not somebody's blog, pretty much all they give you is a spoiler-free setup. 
because everyone's like, we don't want to take the time to explain this movie. So spoiler free setup. I swear this is spoiler free, even though this is going to be a bit of info. <laughs> and I would like to say almost upfront warnings, even this spoiler free setup will tell you what you're getting into with this movie a little bit. So I think that's fair enough. Fair play. A mind wiped, possibly cyborg sex slave is abandoned on the streets because he cannot maintain an erection when he's taken in by a girl who's drawing maps of the city as she teaches him to become able to function in society, they both start to change. I mean, it's as spoiler-free as you can be. That's pretty accurate. (laughs) That's both spoiler-free and almost as much concrete information as you get in this movie. Man, you're not lying, dude. And, of course, we'll explain all the reasons why we say that. But... Along with that, we do like to talk about the people going to making the film and the stars in front of the cameras. And this week, we're talking about a gentleman who's got some really cool titles underneath his belt. And I don't mean just film titles, but he's one half of the right, well, one third of the writing team. He's also our director, and that is Shozen Fukui. And I actually own a film by him. I was thinking for the longest time, this is kind of getting into our next section a little bit, but. I was thinking for the longest time I had seen this before, but it actually I'd seen Rubber's Lover, mm. and I was like, ah, okay, that's where I'm making my mistake. But along with Rubber's Lover, he's also known for the film Denson. I do know he's worked on a lot of short films as well, and he was kind of making his way back into the genre with some short films, but I don't know if they ever materialized in anything since then. Mm. All right, I did mention that he is one-third of the writing team. Now, he helped with the story and the screenplay along with Makoto Hamaguchi and Naoshi Goda. The cinematographer on this is Kazunori Hirasawa. This is the only film credit really of note for them. The editor, of course, is Shozen Fukui. The music was composed by Hiroyuki Nagashima. And I did want to bring up a couple of films of note from them because they're known for such films as 1995's film Memories, the 2004 film Sodom the Killer, and also in 1995, a film entitled August in the Water. This was distributed by Unearth Films back in 2007 here in the States for the DVD release, and it had a release date. Actually, because we're recording on Never Forget Day, the day after, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the 12th, here in two days, it's going to celebrate its 30th birthday. Oh, shit. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it came out September 14th, 1991. That's actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah, we didn't plan that. It's just happy coincidence. I think we should probably mention Fukui also worked on the crew for Tetsuo. Makes sense. Given, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving into the cast. I don't have a very extensive cast. I'm just going to name some of our main players. I'm going to start off with the confusing, because it's the reverse of the film title, but Pinocchio 964 is played by Haji Suzuki. And really, this is only... His film of note. We have Onshan. She plays the role of Himiko. And once again, only film of note. Is she a pop idol or something? Or was she, I guess? I don't know. Because I I noticed even in the credits, they made sure that her name was like all giant capitalized and in English. Which I, I typically see with pop idols. That does make sense. 
totally makes sense, especially after reviewing so many films. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand is Fukui, he was a part of the kind of like a punk movement music mm. as well in Japan because during this time period, it was kind of at its height. And if I'm not mistaken, from what I understood is that most of everybody that's in this film, including the actors, were a part of his band. Oh, interesting. So maybe that's why her name is like that. Oh. To give her more recognition mm-hmm. and, and as a part of that movement and whatnot. So, yeah. As far as I know, she didn't do anything before as far as acting or after this film. All right. We have Koji Otsubo. He plays the role of Nirishima. He is the guy who kind of oversees... The oh, yeah, industry, yeah. so to speak. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he does have another film of note, and it's called Mitsugetsu. I don't know anything about it. I was like, all right, interesting. All right, we have two other people, and that's pretty much rounding out our cast and crew. I have Kyoko Hara. She plays the role of secretary, only film of note. And Rakumaru Senyutai plays Taicho. And Taicho, I believe, is one of the henchmen. And I believe oh. it's the, f- I think it's the first guy they send out. Okay. Yeah. And um, I can name maybe one other person. He goes by Koji Kita. He plays Majuko Man. He's the guy that blows fire at the end. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the woman who owns him right. at the beginning. The, the buyer. Her name is Ranko. She plays Rubari Eko. Okay. Because she isn't called that at mm-hmm. one point in the movie. But yeah, that pretty much rounds out the cast and crew. You did give us a brief setup. Should give you some warnings. Holy moly. Okay. How to give warnings for this. This is a weird one because some of the warnings were just in the description. That's true. Like, this is a Japanese cyberpunk movie. The main character (laughs) is a mind-wiped, possibly cyborg sex slave. That denotes a lot of different things right there already. There's going to be... Some sexual content, course, yep, including a little bit of nudity. Not as much as you would guess with the premise, but... Yeah, that's a solid point. But there is a few moments. A few different moments of blood and gore. Yep. A few different moments of body horror. I know one of your favorite. Uh, there's some puke stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's unidentifiable fluids. Yeah, that's true as well. And like rotten food stuff and like it just kind of gets kind of kind of gets gross yeah it kind of just gets gross <laughs> for a little bit um that's true. the best way to do plus some i guess i would like, say for people who might suffer quote unquote, from disturbing imagery that and also because it does use like moments of oh there's quick a lot of burst. stuff yeah it's like if you suffer from epilepsy and seizures and things like that this film will probably trigger you in a couple of different moments i kind of think that covers it though I would agree. We were kind of general with some of that stuff, but that's because it's still supposed to be the spoiler-free section, too. (laughs) Exactly. We can't spill all the beans. You spilled your (laughs) beans. Yeah, we can't do that right now. Maybe the next section. Well, I think we'll have to in the next section because we'll be finding out how it made us squeal. But I do think that that is the best warnings we can give. Yeah, if you made it this far. Like, legitimately, if you listen to the setup of the movie, if you think you can handle that, then you probably can. If you don't think you can handle that, you probably can't. That's, that's right. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll go into it deeper in the next section. I guess let's find out how it made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? So this is essentially the 
third Japanese cyberpunk flick we've done, but only the second of like the OG style. That's true. Because like Tokyo Gore Police is absolutely Japanese cyberpunk, but it's action and much later in the genre. It's more or less the start of like the rebirth movement. Yeah. So really like it's only been like this in Tetsuo for this style. Very true. So here's my hot take. Tetsuo's more extreme. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This one has the worst reputation. Possibly just because it was released by Unearthed. Yeah, and with that, the label extreme is usually already synonymous with Unearthed, you know? Mm -hmm. But not necessarily in this case. It does have its moments, but definitely not the worst and I don't mean like worse, like it's trash or garbage, but I mean, in terms of the extreme elements, it's not the worst in the catalog. No. I was surprised and almost disappointed with how tame it was. Not like it's not still what the fuck, because it's a fucking insane movie. But like, I wanted more to happen? Yeah, I was expecting a little bit more... Like, you know, in your face, which, I mean, this movie is in your face, but in, in, a in an extreme manner, yeah. right, where this, it has more of a gorilla style aesthetic it's because that's what it is, you know. Do you know for certain that they shot the parts that look gorilla in this gorilla? Oh, 100%. Reason being because they didn't have permits right. to shoot those scenes. So, yeah, they just went in, filmed and ran around so that way they could avoid cops. That makes this way more impressive from a filmmaking standpoint. Exactly. Not from what we're actually experiencing on no, screen. No, <laughs> but I will say this maybe to its credit a little bit. It does give you that sense of like uneasiness and kind of, you know, making you feel kind of fucked up because it's so erratic. Mm-hmm. You know, it does something to you mentally and physically yes. too. So, I mean, if that's what it's going for, it accomplished the job. Almost unfortunately, this movie is so vague that anything beyond what we already laid out as the setup for this movie is pretty much conjecture. Yeah. There are not many more hard facts that you can draw from this movie. No. I tried doing a little research, just trying to figure out, like, what the fuck am I going to say about this film? Because the opening third, the opening act, if you will... I mean, not that it's, like, super straightforward, but you can follow along. It's not that complicated, you know? Okay, we should say this movie is arty for arty's sake, but not, hmm. Like, it's obviously art house, but how to put this? It's not smooth. Yeah, I know you're Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it fits very well within the cyberpunk genre and with just sort of, industrialization in general in that it's very sudden and jarring and things don't line up with each other i guess yeah this movie feels like a bunch of rough edges i know what you're saying there in that regard the word i want to attribute it would be probably punk you know this is very punk in that manner This movie sent me down a fucking rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. And I would almost say, yeah, I would agree, punk, definitely, at least in its, like, spirit and effort and... Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at, yeah, just the approach. And then stylistically, like, ooh, here's something we've 
I don't think we've ever brought up on the show before. It's kind of like truly absurdist in like a philosophical way. Yeah. And also huh. like Dadaist. Yeah, it does in the artistic narrative. Yeah, it is. There's moments in this film too. I know we talk about if you're paying homage to a certain film or a filmmaker, mm -hmm. you might use a scene, but in your style. And in this case, I feel like this filmmaker was probably influenced by Sam Raimi because there were some moments where it felt like Evil Dead, mm -hmm. just the editing and certain scenes. Anyway, some of that. And there's a film called Possession that stars Sam Neill, coincidentally enough. If I had the information from me, I'd tell you the director's name. But there's a moment in the subway where it felt like that too. I'm like, whoa. It takes on like this certain movement, this certain artistic approach too, which I think is pretty interesting if you can catch it. You know, because it's not just putting a bunch of weird shit on screen. Like, it's taking some liberties. Well, on almost weirder, and why I almost go into, like, Dadaism and, like, their use of collage and stuff. Yeah. Is, like, I could have fucking swore that at least one of the lines was a Princess Bride reference. Damn. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly. It wouldn't. You couldn't talk to just a minute ago. You're still improving. I'm saying it's funny where they get the inspiration sometimes. Okay, so maybe this is honestly just the setup. We kind of laid out the movie for you. You're right. Like, there's not a lot more to it. I guess what the setup doesn't cover is the way they change, and we can talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But let's just get the action out of the way first with this I like film. It, yeah. <laughs> the change starts to occur after they sleep with each other. Both seem to be awakened in some way. His is a lot more weird and cyberpunk. Hers is just kind of gross. She ends up going and puking in a subway and coming back and finding him. And they have some weird interactions before she takes him out to a junkyard and binds him to some junk. Like, it ends up being, like, once he pulls it out, it's a fucking, like, concrete block. Yeah. But, like, she basically just binds him to a junk pile. Essentially, yeah. But then kind of drags him back to civilization again. And the corporation that made him sends out some people looking for him. She leads them to him as he's having a weird mental break. Yeah. They go to kill them with some gas, at which point she turns against them. But when the gas seems to not kill Pinocchio, they freak out, go back to the corporation. He chases after and kills the guy running it. She mutates further and he kills her? Not really. I mean, he literally beheads her and then there's a union of sorts. Yeah, which it's weirdly kind of the same sort of thing we got from Tetsuo, right? Like At the end, yeah where they kind of just become one. That's what I mean, that there's a union. <laughs> and that's, that's just the bare bones. Of that's it. Yeah, the bare yeah. bones. Yeah. So now that that's out of the way, we can talk about the rest of this fucked up -ness. Right. <laughs> so not that we necessarily have to go full in depth, but one of the things that I read into off of a blog this guy wrote years ago, and I'll read it really quick. It helped make me not just appreciate the film more, but just kind of trying to make sense of certain themes perhaps, but this is what his little header starts with. He's like, what the fuck did the ending mean? 
And I'm like, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, exactly, right? right? Parts of this make sense until that ending. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. Mm. All right, so his first note in this, is says, essentially, Pinocchio starts the film off as a baby. So when he interacts with Himiko, he's kind of like, no, nah, I'm not. Right. Like, looks like he wants to feed. It says, over the course of the movie, he journeys to self-awareness, right? Once he learns his name and becoming aware, he comes into power in his adulthood and eventually dies at the end as his body is destroyed, right? And then the second point is Himiko and Pinocchio have a spiritual connection from their first encounter. He says, we get a sense from her flashbacks that she might have been implicit. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, did you feel like... The second time around, because after reading this, it's like... Yeah, I think after reading she this and seeing her to flashbacks, creation. yeah, there's some things that intimate that maybe not necessarily with him, but she was definitely had a hand in the corporation. But here's okay. So here's the question though: Was she also created by the corporation though? You could argue even, that even prior to her being put out on the street. I think you could argue that. Yeah, because she got wiped, mm-hmm. so perhaps she was programmed to do that job as a nurse. Would make sense. I could see that. Well, and especially because we see what happens to the dude's assistants oh, at the yeah. end. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that that's almost the best twist in the movie. I really like that. You're right. It's like, whoa. Because you're like, oh, shit. I mean, we're just going to jump around all over this fucking movie at this This, place, this movie but, does that anyway, but. Because <laughs> when he bites it at the end, both of his assistants seem to mechanically break down. Right. Something in them gets triggered, possessed, what have you. Yeah. At first, it seems like a descent to madness, but the sound design implies it's somehow mechanical, digital, uh, you know, not organic in nature. Yeah. And that's kind of what this, you know, some of the cyberpunk theme is, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nature versus technology and the fusion of both sometimes. So, oh, yeah, let me finish this really quick because it's kind of interesting. You know, we're already talking about her possibly being implicit and her role in that. But it says when she starts to remember some of this stuff, that's when she loses her sanity. It says even though the intense power release destroys a relationship in the physical world, their spirits remain connected. At the end, she is consumed by the dragon, which is the essence of the humanity in the world itself, by taking her head and placing it on, it on his own. And then he consciously decides to end his physical life and join her spirit. So at the end, their spirits are joined in the experience never-ending peace. That's his... That never-ending peace being their disgustingness fucking underneath the Eiffel Tower. When I say their disgustingness, I mean, like, literally, like, the disgusting shit that they morph into. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, a pejorative, per se. It's, yeah, they're into gross shit. I mean, whatever. Yeah, like, her head turns into... It's like... It's uh, weird. It's like if it... The moon from... Like the moon, yeah, yeah, the the fucking the old the the first movie or whatever, Lune, whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's like if that was how to it's like <laughs> the Ren and Stimpy close up of that. <laughs> That's funny. God damn, <laughs> it kind of looks like a fucked up, just dried up, grayed out chips away cookie. <laughs> it's like if a fucking tumor had a face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too, dude. I like it because it's so bonkers and you, not always, but a lot of the fucking time you see it in Japan exclusively. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't think of any other country doing that. Oh, it's kind of like if 
the giant heads from Zardoz were like deathly allergic to bees and got stung <laughs> right in their fucking faces. That's good too. Yeah, that's fucking funny, dude. <laughs> it's unique. I mean, that's to say the fucking least. And then he, I mean, he starts to gnaw at her and then he pops it off, places it on his mm -hmm. own body. And yeah. <laughs> well, because gnawing at her seemed to just hurt him. I think at that point, the fusion has mm -hmm. already happened. Just because that chap was kind enough to write his thoughts yeah, up. Yeah. Like, what's that guy's name? Uh, so on here, it is cyberpunkreview.com. And it's the 964 Pinocchio page. Okay. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because it lets you know there's some hyperlinks. Like, what is cyberpunk, movies by decade, et cetera, and so forth. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty valuable tool for talking about these type of films. I will say this movie is still abstract enough that whatever meaning you find oh, dude. was probably not I didn't get this all intended. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I but like, even uh, that, like, I think his is super on the money. But at the same time, I don't think all of that was intended. No, I don't think so either. By watching this movie, I think there's quite a few ways that you can go with it. And it's kind of left to be like, how do you want to do this? Yeah. It's up to you to piece these pieces together. And I'm okay with that, dude. We've talked about that before. When there's room for discussion and ambiguity, I think the film's done a tremendous job already just to start a conversation like that. Now, I do wish this one was a little bit less ambiguous. Yeah, because there's some wild stuff going on. It's hard to follow sometimes. I like this movie. On any list, there has to be a bottom of the list, and this is currently the bottom of the list of Japanese cyberpunk horror movies for me. Yeah, I mean, out of the three that we've done, yeah, I would say Tetsuo... And then Tokyo Gore Police. And then, yeah, and that's no discredit because I do enjoy this film. I really do. It has some moments where I'm like, I like how bonkers this shit's mm -hmm. getting. But, but it's more overall, of an experience right. than. I don't know how much rewatch value you can really get out of this film. Dude, even the second time through, like, yeah. I was struggling at times. There was, I'm not gonna lie, there was a the moment where she's, you know, doing her whole vomit stuff. I was like, I already saw it one time. I'm just gonna go ahead and skip through this shit. Yeah, yo, this movie is, what, like, almost an hour 40? Close. Hour 37? Yeah. It could have been, like, an 87. Yeah, 120. 85. I would have been fine with that. <laughs> I wouldn't have complained. Because there's a lot of scenes in this movie are dragged out just... For the sake of it, I think, sometimes. I And I kind of understand, like, it adds to the uncomfortable feeling that this movie makes it you really feel. It really does, and that's why I did it. But that's kind of where... It goes back into this movie as more of an experience than a story. Exactly. Yeah, a yeah. story. It doesn't necessarily have to follow a linear plot. You no. know, it, it really doesn't. Not in this style. And that's some of the advantage of this particular subgenre too. It doesn't necessarily have to follow traditional narratives. It can do whatever the fuck it wants. Yeah. And I guess where I'm at mostly with that is like that amount of abstractism isn't quite as much my bag. Yeah. I like ambiguous. I like surreal. I yeah, like. Um, but you're right. This I both. Ooh. I like both like visually absurd as well as philosophically absurd. <laughs> but this one, it doesn't have a concrete enough center point. That's a good point. For me to really like, I yeah. need that. Some people don't need that. Some people, you know, go to fucking abstract art exhibits all the time. That's their that's, fucking. That's their bag. That's a good point. That's what makes art what it is. Subjective. People That's read not it as much my bag. No, exactly. I don't want to go abstract. I want to go surreal. I don't mind abstract to a degree. Yeah, you know, I agree with you there. It's like 
once you go to, I don't know, certain lengths, it gets a little ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you know, I get it, but really? <laughs> you know, after a while, it makes me question, but, you know, whatever, whatever. People enjoy what they like, and that's fine with me. So um, the fact that you can yeah. question this movie so fucking much <laughs> is a little bit of a downer for me. I did like that first experience, though. It fuck this movie slaps you. Yeah, that's the second time around. Not so much. Just after reading certain things, and I was like, okay, I can start seeing certain things of what they're trying to do. You know, like little flashes and glimpses, just to give you enough, you know, mm -hmm. of a narrative or a, a plot, if you will. But yeah, you're right. It leaves a lot of questions. It makes me wonder, you know, about these particular people in general. Like, who was he before? But that's not necessarily what this film's about either. No. You know, and that's okay. But sometimes it's nice to know some, <laughs> at least that much background. Yeah. You know, because it's like, who the fuck are these people? As I was doing my own reading around, I, like, I saw somebody, and I wish I would have wrote down his name just to give credit where credit's due, but somebody pointed out, like, even if you just clarified characters' relationships to each other, it's, like, a hundred times more coherent. Man, no doubt. <laughs> you can have everything else the exact same, and just add in like four or five lines of dialogue in the entire movie to 100% clarify everybody's relationship to each other. And this movie <laughs> suddenly becomes that much more coherent. Yeah, that's a solid point, man. But not knowing what the fuck Hamiko's story is. Yeah. Who is she? Yeah, what's her hand? You just get little flashes and you're supposed to piece those together. We don't even know for sure he had a life before the corporation. Right. Or if he was grown or created. You know, there's also where you could implant false memories as well. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if that's something they do. There could be torture involved. Who knows, man? We don't know. That's his conjecture, but it leaves it open for that, too. Now, there were some things that super impressed me, though. I love some of that opening bit, the juxtaposition of how they were both let out of the corporation, of him being lobotomized and yeah. thrown out onto the street by a fucking nurse wearing nothing but her fucking nurse gown. <laughs> yep. Fucking bare-ass. That was kind of funny, her just, like, walking back bare-ass. bare-ass, yeah. And the voiceover seems to all be pertaining to what's happening to him except it keeps flashing back to somebody else walking down a hallway, and yep. then you realize that it's all been talking to her. Yeah. That was really fucking well done. It is. It does some things like, like you were just saying there really well. That's a good example of that. I wish we got more of her weird flash. I don't even want to call them flashbacks because they seemed way more metaphorical than anything, but like her in the white dress in the fucking room. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, that seemed more artistic and metaphorical more so than like this was a real event. But there's so little of it that like, I was like, what's this supposed to be? Oh, it's already changed. What? Yeah. You get to see a, a glimpse of her towards the end of that where she stabs into what could be a person. We don't know who the fuck it is. It's just whatever it is. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know if that's making you question whether she's a good person or not because you're seeing her do what appears to be an evil act, perhaps, mm -hmm. while everything's white and innocent. I don't know. Symbolic, who knows? Not that I wanted this to be like a sexual torture movie, but after the setup of like the first act and like how he gets thrown on the street, it kind of doesn't matter he was ever a fucking sex slave. 
Yeah. Unless you want to argue that that's what's contributing to his mental breakdown throughout the rest of the movie, which I guess is a good argument, but it's you never shown in that. any... Yeah, no concrete manner. He honestly just seems more betrayed by Hamiko for the last two-thirds of the movie than yeah. anything else. Everyone that's else exhibits a range of emotions, but once he feels betrayed, he never seems to stop feeling betrayed. Yeah, it sends him down that spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a solid point because even in the first few minutes after he gets kicked out and then, you know, that lady, Eko, and her other sex slave <laughs> appears, like they're going at it. Everything's hunky-dory. I'm like, yeah, how much are they going to explore this avenue of the cyberpunk? Mm -hmm. But I, not much. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just it leads you to believe that there's more going on with that than the rest of the film that plays out. Well, and how bad the corporation wants him also seems to indicate something special about him that's never for sure shown. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they're being so freaked out of him being on the street and just out and about in general. Does that mean that his crazy awesome transformation sequence with the fucking... Yeah, it's, it's gnarly. Is that literal? Perhaps. Okay, this is an audio medium, and all I did was like a hand <laughs> sign. Like, I'm referencing like when she comes in and he's like laying in the circle, and then it starts fucking strobing out, and like the yeah, crazy fucking mechanical spindly claw hand comes out of the middle of the circle and is like searching around and shit is the implication that he's actually some sort of super fucked up cyborg. Yeah, there's some... That shouldn't be out on this, like... There's some weird going on. <laughs> because be then later in the movie, he's also super strong oh, at, with super stamina and is able to survive at least two blasts of fucking poison gas to the face. Yeah, he took that like a champ. <laughs> there's something extra going on with him. Right. That we're not necessarily knowing all the details about. We just get a little bit, you know, but once again. Because I kind of like that story more. Make this an action cyberpunk. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's (laughs) like, there's so many things that this film could explore and do. But I will say this. In terms of being, you know, critical, because that's what part of reviewing is. We have to take into consideration that, you know, that. They were doing some guerrilla shooting, and this was during a, a time period where not many people were exploring this particular mm-hmm. subgenre. So, you know, <laughs> did they have time to flesh things out? You know, like, they're just like, I don't know exactly how everything went, you know, in terms of their shooting plans, but it makes me wonder, like, what just throw something together. We have a certain idea of what we want to do, and then when they're in the middle of doing it, all these other creative ideas happen maybe organically within, I don't mm-hmm. know, but it makes me wonder that, you know, because it's like, yeah, there's all kinds of cool shit you could have explored with this story that felt more concrete and probably could have been better fleshed out, but was that their intention to begin with is what I'm getting at. Now, I love all the gorilla shooting sequences, like the supermarket yeah, gnarly, man. and, like, the fucking subway system and all that shit, uh, or train station, I don't know. Yeah, it's It one seemed like other. a train station, right? Like... Subway, train station, it's all, yeah, it's all relative, I suppose. I loved that shit from an artistic standpoint because it so well showed, I keep going back to absurdism, 
we've mentioned things being absurd in the past, but I think in the past when we've brought it up, we've brought it up in like, this is a fucking ridiculous way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More akin to like surreal, except in a jokey manner, right? This is absurd. Yeah. I'm now saying absurd in like, an actual philosophical sense where like the universe is completely uncaring and you're trying to create your own meaning in a world that's meaningless. And <laughs> I thought it was astounding how well those sequences showed just like the indifference of everything. Yeah, you're right. Most people didn't fucking care. No. And it's understandable when you're living in a population that dense. I think that's a very, I won't say interesting, but probably critical point when you're, exploring this particular subgenre too because I was talking to somebody about this how social commentary is very much strewn throughout right mm -hmm. because we've already brought up the fact that you know you have kind of like the old Japan with the natural organic side mixed in with this new technological Japan industrial Japan and so there's like these different philosophical viewpoints converging and this is what's happening too with these characters which I think is really cool, but you can't ignore that fact that there is a social commentary in these films. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's what's happening in the now, and this gives you a good glimpse of that. Well, and it's kind of like what we brought up with Tetsuo. That one is a little bit more on the nose of like... Like consumerism and all this other stuff, yeah. And, and just dealing with like the harshness of like urban life. Yeah, everything's being built on top of each other. This movie in its own weird way shows very much like the weird urban loneliness. Yeah. Where you can be completely alone in a sea of people. Exactly. And how people can be just objectified, mm -hmm. you know, just be used for, in this case, sexual pleasure. That's pretty much spelled out. It made me think it's like, this movie's not too far off with like how you could say sexual toys or whatever, right? how people can get that really involved in it and become kind of narcissistic and sadistic and just very superficial, mm -hmm. empty and void. And that's pretty much their selling points. Like one of my favorite lines in this fucking film, I got it written down, uh, is actually by uh, Nrishima and where he's explaining, he says, uh, I give old ladies with big oh, yeah. hits <laughs> a blow sexual shock. That's the only way to save them. You know, I'm like, as funny as that is, there's a bit of truth in that where, you know, that's kind of an absurd thing, too. <laughs> it's, you know, mm -hmm. uh, he's saying it kind of in a weird, sadistic manner. But like I said, that's one of those things I think it's prevalent in society. What's his Cupid line? I'm the Cupid for... Yeah, that's a solid one, too. I can't remember the exact line, but I know what you're talking about. I can't remember if he says, I'm uh, the Cupid for all people, or if I, like, I'm the Cupid for the modern age. It's something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, you're right. But he does make mention of that, yeah. Once again, weirdly reaches out, especially to, like, in a year where people kind of had to isolate. Wow, yeah. This guy selling this weirdly <laughs> soulless way to feel a connection. You're right, man. Like you said, yeah, feeling alone in a sea of people. It's like, what? But yeah, I mean, that's what can happen. And like, if you want to dehumanize Pinocchio, he's essentially just a sex toy. From what I understand, like, <laughs> sex toy sales did really well the past year and a half with everybody being stuck indoors. Uh, they're stuck in other places too, <laughs> but yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. it plays into the weird, like, 
that's weird harshness of urban living. I think, uh, man, in the clever way, that's what this is. Yeah. Like it's a little asterisk is in terms of what is strewn in this film. And it doesn't really have to be a focal point. It's just, yeah, there it is. Actually, to bring it back to something I've already brought up, the later Neo-Dada movement was a lot more focused on the idea of like merging all these new types of technology and media with like our natural lives hmm. and sort of trying to bridge the gap between that. That's um, pretty cool. So like this kind of fits I in with like that. Like, this is a transitional thing in the art medium, yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that happens when we meet Himiko is somebody goes and asks her how much, assuming that she's a prostitute. But is he assuming that she's a prostitute or was she made by the corporation and he recognizes the model? Ah, uh, man, that's solid too because we don't know. Because she doesn't look anything like a prostitute. No, she doesn't. Not at all. If that's what a prostitute looks like, I'm confused. Yeah, she's sitting on the fucking ground. Just sketching out. Sketching a map while holding some fucking binoculars. Dude, if that says prostitute... Sign me up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would have never assumed that. Just in passing. He did. But that begs the question, yeah. Did he recognize her as a specific model? Perhaps. How many of these are out in public? But I, you know, that also begs the question this. Well, you could say she's already had her memory swiped right at this point. Mm-hmm. So, wish, yeah, I don't know, man. Because some of the flashes is like she was a nurse. But what was she before that, too? She could have been very... Or once again, was there a before that? You know, that's solid, too. You're right. Maybe was she created? I don't know. That's, I don't know. That's solid. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of I don't knows for me. How do you see it coming? Like, there's no proof in this movie that there was ever a life before they... Like, they could right. literally have been created. You're absolutely right. There's no indication in it to the contrary that I'm aware of. Yeah. I don't know. I still didn't get the puke shit, though. No. <laughs> What's interesting I found about that, if anything, if you want to find anything interesting about this, is the connection with what she was throwing up and when she came back after she lost. I'm putting mm -hmm. air quotes up. When she lost him in the subway or train station. So when she returns to her dwelling... He's there. And he kind of turns into the same. Right. There's a ring around mm -hmm. him with that same stuff. And then she goes to eating it. Now, depending on where and how you watch this, it can either be like super, super grainy and dark. And then some of it you can see a little bit more clear. It's almost like not much difference, but like between 480 and 360, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I was like, oh, I think she's just eating rice, like a big old wad of rice. So there's <laughs> some other stuff, of course, but there was a not many, but there was a couple parts of this movie where I'm like, oh, they never intended for this to be shown on anything other than VHS on a CRT. That's probably it. Because her welding him into. Did you laugh as hard as I did when she was huge air quotes welding him into the manacles? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about because she holds up the torch <laughs> And you're like, I don't think that's the right kind of torch for that. No, 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 no. Hell no. But then. <laughs> no, hell no. You see her working on the manacles. And there's the sound of a grinder. And there's <laughs> yep. the sparks like a grinder. Uh, but all the action is indicating that she's welding it. Yes. 
And what she's doing is just pushing the turning knob. That's not like the yeah, the adjustment, the gas do. adjustment knob against the metal. It has nothing to do with what you hear audibly. Like you said, there's no you there's know, no grind. It looks yeah, like no grinding. It looks like they're trying to show that knob as a grinder. But yeah, that might have flown on a VCR on a CRT. Yeah, for 1991. From 1991. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. That might have flown. But to the modern eye, when I'm watching this streaming all nice and fucking off of a Blu-ray release. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, no, this nope. <laughs> no, that's that's not what you're doing. <laughs> no, we we know better. But, you know, like you were just saying, for that time period, that was probably what they had in mind. It's like, no, this is going to get bootlegged, and it's going to get super grainy and dark. We don't have to really explain this. <laughs> and it probably would have looked like yeah. what they were intending it to look like. And they're like, okay, that looks good. No one's going to question it until now. <laughs> it's kind of the funny that look, this is off topic, but like on any of your streaming services, have you went back to watch any shows from like the 60s, oh. 70s, or 80s and just noticed just how bad oh. a couple things look dude. because it was never intended to be shown that, yeah, not, at that not, quality. Dude, yeah, for sure, man. Or it, it never really intended to be re-shown except in like syndication. Yeah, that's a very solid point. Who was thinking 40, 50 years down the road, 30, 40 years down the road? That you could just re-watch this right. on the fucking drop of a hat. No one, I don't think anybody was thinking that long ahead. Like you said, maybe five to 10 years we'll get some syndication and that's our run. Mm-hmm. That's it. It'll die out in 10 years or whatever. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Some of these things weren't intended to ever be rewatched. It's kind of mind boggling in a sense because some of the shows that are modern now, I think some of them, not all of them, of course, but some of them can hold up in future decades. And it's going to be interesting to think what other people are going to be watching 40, 50 years from now. Like we're mm-hmm. watching it right now. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah, so, sorry, back to the puke. But <laughs> well, you have to mention that. All right, let me pull this out really quick. Yeah, yeah. I do want to mention this film. I've already kind of mentioned it. It's the weird puke circle that he's in that ends up becoming the transformation sequence that I had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, man. I'm probably going to say his name wrong, but his name is Andrzej Zalowski. Okay. Yeah, he directed Possession from 1981 and has Isabella, Johnny, and... Sam Neill, but there's a scene, I don't want to really talk about it too in depth because it might be one we need to explore down the road sometime, but there's a scene that's very similar, right? That film came out in 81. This film came out in 91. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's too many parallels where I think he might have borrowed some of a scene that happens with Isabella's character. I mean, not to the point where she's throwing up like this, but there's some similarities. That's all I want to say. Okay. I'll leave it to that. But then every everything else felt, I don't know, felt... Like, this guy might have a little bit of a fetish with a vomit. It was weird. It was like, it's a little gratuitous. It's over the top. But it's also just like, let's go for it. You know, that's what I kind of felt like. She was into it somewhat, I suppose. Right. Uh, she went for it, man. Yeah, she did. Like, what the uh, fuck? Everybody in this movie goes for it. They really do. Like, I don't know if you can get that kind of commitment now. I mean, you probably could, but. Yeah, I don't think I could have, like kept in character as Pinocchio during those fucking gorilla shooting sequences. There's some gnarly shit going on. Like, he did a killer job staying in character. Top notch, man. He did a great job. And that look is fucking... 
like for this kind of movie, what he ends up looking like by the end, that's fucking top notch. Like that is going to be in my brain, not in like a seared in my way, no, brain in a bad way, but it's like, memorable. it's fucking memorable. That was, yeah, especially for this particular subgenre too. It's like, it stands out. Kind of wish more would have been done with it. Yeah, I do too. But because once question. you get into the last third of this movie, a good 40% of it is him running and yelling. That's, yeah, I could have done without some of that. Like, it really could have cut that down a lot. But I mean, and I, I think I the point it. is the presentation. Like, That's the what I'm uneasiness, the editing, the jarringness. Precisely. And I, I totally get that. But goddamn, like, it's legit, like, 40% just him running and yelling you with know, that fucking stupid block. I wonder what that would have been like at the theater upon its premiere, like, if it hit the circuit. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that would Super make you fresh. feel so, You don't know what you're getting into. So uneasy in your seat, like, you get squeamish and shit. Maybe that was his, its whole purpose, the whole point of that. Yeah, we're going to make you feel uncomfortable, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> So sort of taken out from some of the other stuff that happens towards the beginning and towards the end, a lot of that little middle bit with their interactions and then going into like both of them, quote unquote, sort of waking up and sort of realizing who they are. Yeah. So she goes to like weld him and leave him out in the junkyard <laughs> and all of her dialogue indicates that she's leaving him there. But then she grabs onto the chain and doesn't let go and fucking helps drag him out of that place. Yeah, that is exactly what she does. So that entire middle section kind of just feels like watching an unintentionally toxic relationship mm -hmm. where both of the people go into it with the best of intentions, not realizing that they each really, really, really badly need to work on themselves first. Right. And then, once again, put air quotes here, it's the possession Mm -hmm. Right, she becomes very possessive. I mean, you're finding out who she is because she's finding out who she is. And I don't want Maybe. to be. No, <laughs> I want to say before because I don't know if there was before. We've already mentioned that, but there's some weird stuff going on personality-wise. Regardless, like there's a switch, a transformation. Well, she if you makes will. a huge fucking switch. Yeah, a metamorphosis is what I wrote in my notes. It's like these people are changing in the middle of this film. But, like, her refusing to let go and continuing to drag him, even though, like, all of her dialogue indicates that she's leaving him. I'm just like, yeah, so no. this is just, like, a toxic relationship metaphor? Um, that comes in the narcissism thing, too, because she's, like, telling him to die, but she's also chaining him up and keeping him. Mm -hmm. Because she knows there's value in him. There's people looking for him. She's like, oh, I don't really want you, but I know these other people want you, so I'm not going to let them have you. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> like, toxic. Well, and along with that, like when that ends with like the food stuff, yeah, that could just be like an actual blow up they had at like a dinner. Exactly. I mean, of course, this is over the top version of that, but but you know right. what I'm saying? No, no, no. It could be a metaphor for that. Mm -hmm. What do you think was with the cherries and the spit, though? <laughs> Whoa, I was gonna ask you about that. So I was like, have you ever seen anybody do that? Like saliva cherries? Nah, but everyone seemed into them. Because oh, Hamika, when she gets in the office later, she, she could not stop eating them. <laughs> I think she's going to eat the whole fucking bowl, dude. She's, she's like, like, oh, food? Fuck some vomit. <laughs> Give me some of them spit cherries. <laughs> Y'all got the good shit up in here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm literally drooling over these. <laughs> I did like the scene, too, where uh, Narishima and his secretary, they were 
like eating the the cherry oh, in yeah. that film, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like that is so gnarly. Japanese people are freaky, dude. Yo, he might have been the best fucking character in the movie. He was He's great. So over the top. He was and great. Like the perfect just. He says a line that was very very villainous. He kind of I don't know how to say it in Japanese, but he just kind of lets the word linger, and it's like, man, that has some menace to it. There's some spice in that. It's like I like that. Yeah, dude, he was fucking great. Every minute, he fucking chewed the scenery. Every chance he could, he did. Like, no one's fucking business. Yeah, it <clears throat> livened up his bits. And I'll give the secretary some credit, too. She went over the top sometimes, too, and it added to that, like, weirdness of it. I did love the bit where Hamiko was watching their goons through the binoculars <laughs> yeah, and narrating and the, the what voices. they were saying. But it was probably pretty legit to what they were saying. It's like she was off. making fun of them, but all the actions indicated that, like... <laughs> That's probably what they're saying. It's probably pretty close. <laughs> There's some interesting bits of humor in this film, too. You have to point that out, but I like it for that, too. Like, yeah, it can be silly. Like, I was streaming this, and that weird halt shot on the cityscape oh. made me think that my shit fucked up. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I had to stop and be like, wait, 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 wait. Do I have to buffer? Oh, Got no, it. it's still just... Pl- okay. All right. The cityscape, when I was taking my notes, of course, for the second viewing, a moment hit me, and I was like, man, okay, I wonder, this is me just wondering here, I wonder if that's an homage or maybe a shout-out to Troma, because they like to use that cityscape Mm. as like an intro before you get into their films. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting, because Troma likes to fuck around with like nuclear age and gross and yeah, that kind of stuff. Maybe not to this extreme, but it does. It's Kinda. not shy. I was yeah, like, it's, it's not, not. It's not much far off from this. Not like too we said, far this off. one isn't as bad as you would no. think. And it kind of, it wouldn't be too far off from a trauma film. It really wouldn't. No. But it just made me feel that way. It's just maybe it was the artistic shot of it. Mm-hmm. it maybe it was just a pure coincidence, but it makes me wonder. It's still fucking wild. Just thinking back on it, it's making me laugh. The fucking weird like. Almost non sequitur of the other goon just listening to metal music oh. and deciding to adopt a kid. Yeah, I know we're doing, but you can't see it, but there's a bunch of air quotes. Yeah, adopt a kid. There is a line he sets up earlier when you're first introduced to those henchmen where he talks about his wife and he's like, Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He mentioned, yeah, because he does mention that shit earlier. Right. So it's not just something that happens out of the blue. Like, this guy's committed now. He's like, Fuck it. She already gave me the okay. Why? But dude? it's kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, like, why do you do? Why are we you don't kidnapping? Know. There's no reason to cut to him in the first place at that point in the movie. I fucking no, loved it. Though. It's, like, it was, was awesome. Hilarious. What did you think about the music in this film? The music and the sound design, yeah, all across the board was like that's almost a reason to watch this movie. Oh yeah, man. I did have to make note of that. That's why I wanted to bring that up. There's moments where the music really does ratchet up the scenes and the feelings that it's trying to make you feel. And I liked it for that. Yeah, that's the sound design was well done. The choice of music and score and ambiance and things like that. I was like, yeah, this is good. It made me feel entertained at least. Yeah. For those scenes. I legit think as long as you can handle the rest of this, oh, it's yeah. worth watching just for that technical aspect of this movie. I would agree with that. There's a moment, man. I think it's after she vomits and does all that nonsense where I was like, man, if nothing else, there's a scene or a sequence in this where it's like, I love this film just for how fucking weird and goofy it's getting. It starts to get like a little bit trippy and uh, maybe that's after 
Yeah, when she does go back. Man, I'm trying to think if that's after they've already had sex and stuff like that, too. Yeah, because that, yeah, then she goes out and she's getting material. She goes on her little shopping spree. That was cool. I was like, this film is getting weird. And she's just skipping around with that welder's helmet on mm-hmm. until, yeah, the goof little shit we've already talked about with the shackles and stuff. But it's like, this movie's starting to get bonkers. I like when shit gets weird like this. You don't get it very often. I was kind of pissed off that at the end of his fucking concrete run, he goes and starts to hammer throw that fucking block and then just turns around. It. Yeah, that did piss me off too. It's like, this dude's about to launch this shit, but he's also tethered to it. I was here it. for it. Like, is he about to fly? <laughs> well, and the others were watching him through the window, right? Like, oh, I thought he saw was. It. She at least knew it. She did, for sure. Yeah, I thought he was about to just like launch himself. Just smash all four of them with that fucking concrete. That would be dope. But it didn't. You're right. It did piss me off. And he doesn't even fully turn around. Mm. He, like, arcs back around yeah, just to, weird. like, attack him again. I don't get it, man. He was doing some Super Mario Brothers shit. <laughs> I didn't mind it as much in this because it just plays into the craziness of it all. Yeah. But, like, all of those sequences at the end only <laughs> happen through editing. Like, yeah. talking is a fucking free action, apparently. Um, <laughs> he can be 20 foot away from them, running at 20 miles an hour, and they still have time to say, like, 10 lines to each other oh, before yeah. he actually gets there. I like that. There's a moment where she has it, too. I think that's what I wanted to say. She has kind of a, like, an anime moment where she comes in and she starts to claw the guy and stuff. I said, that also feels like what we just did with Adam Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, it was... Um, when the gas guys get down there, she and turns on the him. first shot gets him, but then when he reloads and goes to go after her, she kills the one guy. Yeah, she fucks him up. And shoots him, and you see what the poison is supposed to do. Right, exactly. And then her and the other guy turn it on Pinocchio, and it doesn't do jack to him. No. And that's when she's like, I know this guy just tried to kill me, but I'm going to team up with him and we're going to go back to the corporation. Yeah, we get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Although he's the one I think that's like, let's go back to the corporation. She's just freaking out. And yeah, like, let's fucking kill him. She is. She's like, You're right. But I thought that was really cool. I was like, that's not a bad scene at all, man. Yeah. No, that was all really cool. Even though it goes on for a lot, probably longer than it needs it to. I even just like him sort of freaking out down in the darkness after she brings him back home with the concrete attached. Yeah. That's a good point too, man. Yeah, it was kind of just well done. He's looks fucking crazy and he's freaking out in the darkness. It was dope. <laughs> <laughs> like this is getting wild. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I did want to talk a little bit more just a tinge on <laughs> the metal cog that he was connected to, right? Yeah. It always makes me wonder too if that was like his tracking device so to speak he just kind of got honed in after all the shit that he did (laughs) and then he does that whole long bit where he's running we've already talked about where we wished he would have used it as opposed to just spinning around and then running around (laughs) it's like yeah i don't know what what were they doing with that's my long-winded question why it could have been better i don't fucking know maybe it was just to be absurd be fucking silly with it make us ask these questions (laughs) What stands out is he's struggling against all this, just trying to find himself in the face of everything. That's all he really wants. It's just somebody to, you know, tell him what's going on. You said you were going to help me. That's it. No, they didn't. Everybody took advantage of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Himigo, who we 
at the beginning, it assumes like, yeah, she's a good person. She's just taking these people in. She even makes mention too. I think down in the subway station where she's like, you know, one day we'll know these maps and we won't have to use our memories. That was a weird bit. Cause I think that's supposed to weirdly play into the fact that like, I don't know what that's supposed to play into. The only but thing like, I could gather way, is, just, but it's like this way people like us don't have to know the city or something like that. Like the, yeah. her actual wording on it was kind of weird. Once like, we have this maps, you don't have to know it. Like, right. It makes me wonder too, like how much of, or how many people maybe she's encountered like this prior to Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. To me, it felt like that line, she's kind of like admitting there's more people like them. Yes. Who are just wandering the streets. And hopefully one day, like they don't have to just rely on their memory. They'll know it because of these maps and everything else. It'll be laid out for them. I guess I'm partially wondering if she means people like them like them, or does she mean homeless? Ooh, see, that could be a social commentary too. A metaphor for that, perhaps. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the people who do not get help in society, who are just kind of taken advantage of. Yeah, I mean, that very well could be played out, the social commentary. She's just making her own fucking modern-day hobo Damn. markings, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, that's a good point, too, because she's living in a... I mean, it's a sub-dwelling, essentially. Mm -hmm. It appears she's homeless. She's yeah, I mean, she's making do. I mean, they're living off of just walking by... Supermarket sweeps. Su yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just walking through fucking supermarkets that are literally so busy that nobody can stop them if they're grabbing food anyway. Yeah, what's, what's the bigger risk, right? Right. Chasing after somebody who took a couple of pieces or whatever, or, you know, just like, fuck it. Yeah, that was one of those sequences where I was just like, I fucking love this. Like the existing, the existing in a in a fucking indifferent world. Yeah, and, and it's exposing that right in front of the viewer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's one of the things I really do enjoy about guerrilla shooting. It's it's in the moment, right? And you can't recreate that. No matter how much you mock a scene like that, it's like it's not the same. Like they were doing this in front of people who were unaware of what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, and it shows in certain scenes, and I like it for that. And it's also weird how many just don't care. And that's where you're getting at with the indifference. Like some people are just like, what the fuck is this? Uh, whatever. Another day don't let it in come the city. Yeah, don't let it come over here. Just let it do its thing and go on about our business. Dude's running. He's going to be by me in any second anyway. Dude, if I saw something like that too, I mean, what do you do in that moment? Do you like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to interact with that person? Nah, probably not. He's chained up. He's looking the way he looks. I'm probably going to be one of those indifferent people. I mean, not necessarily indifferent, but I'm not going to be the first one to jump to help. Nah. I don't necessarily want to be that dude. Not when that's going on. No, 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 no. I'll wait. Something else, maybe. I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> if there is a next one, but shit. But I do appreciate that, man. It just, it, it is kind of a slap in the face of society in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're already making assumptions about what's going on with this person just based off of this weird scenario. But this is what people do and this is how they react regardless. <laughs> it's like, okay, I like it though. It's interesting. I don't know. I just kind of wish there was more to it in some way yeah. or another because it also implies that like 964 is the model. That's all you really get from it. We already talked about it. If you so do the what's math, special about the 964 model? What's the difference between a 964 model and a 961 model? See, it's confusing, man. And not only that, but why is there a square root of it? Yeah, that's even weirder because even his fucking on his tattoo on his back, it's, it's, got it. it's square root nine, six, four Pinocchio. 
But I do love that stylization, even though nobody says it. <laughs> it never comes up. Ever. Ever. It's literally just stylization, and I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, I do like that, too. Let me ask you this. We've already mentioned in the cast, towards the end of the cast, with the Magic Man. Like, what was his whole thing? It looked like... I don't fucking know. Only thing I can make sense of that is somehow he was aware of what was going on Uh, in some weird way because he stood out and when he blew that fire was outside the corporation. Right. So I don't know if he's, like, foreshadowing or warning them or... I don't know, man. It's so fucking vague. But I'm like, who is this dude? Why is he in that? Is he one of them? Why, and why is he being highlighted so much? Yeah, exactly. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Maybe it's just one of those things like, hey, dude, you want to be in this film and freak out? It's <laughs> like, we're just going to throw you in. Do your fucking thing. You know, you're a fire breather. Do your thing. Freak some people out. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was interesting. But yeah, I, I don't I have any read it. on him, though. Yeah, so I didn't mind it, but I just thought I found it interesting that they interjected him in this movie. Especially at the end. But anyway, yeah, this film, out of the three, I think you've already kind of hit the nail on the head, man. It is very Dadaist. It's very surreal. It's abstract, maybe a little too abstract for its own good. Or at least for me. Yeah. I mean, other people probably eat this shit up, and that's fine. Like, I do enjoy this film, but uh, I do really like Tetsuo. I mean, it's kind of the godfather of this movement anyway. Yeah. It set a precedence, man, and it already hit these marks. Like, it already went the art house route. It literally fused the characters and technology and all those organic matter and things like that. So it already made all these social commentaries about a lot of different things in Japan at the time. So this film didn't really do anything too radically different. It just, I think it went more punk. Yeah. I will say I am interested in watching Rubber's Lover. That one at least to my recollection, is a little bit more coherent than this one. And I think it helped with the fact that it came out like five years after yeah, this. Yeah, it's an 96 flick. Yeah, and uh, I think you and I have already mentioned this too, maybe not on air, but at least in our you know conversations, that it's supposed to be like a spiritual prequel. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember how much it explains, if it explains anything leading up to these characters and the events of this film. I think in the spiritual prequel sense, the experiment of theirs that finally works in Rubber's Lover is supposed to theoretically be the predecessor to whatever they're Mm. creating in this movie. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I can honestly say this, even though I've had a film for, it's probably going on like 16, 17 years, something like that. Rubber's Lover, that is. I think I've only watched it one time all the way through. And it's probably been that long ago, too. Mm. So I'm, I'm definitely in need of a rewatch. How soon? I don't know, but at some point. Yeah. Everything I know about it, though, is that it's a little bit more straightforward than this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, to my recollection. I think this is like, it does everything this fucking subgenre is supposed to do. Oh, yeah. I'm not arguing that at all. I just, I personally need something more concrete. Yeah, something a little bit more straightforward but you know it's okay i don't want to get too far into that at least for it to reach the upper echelons like i said i still fucking really dig this movie no i do too man i would much rather watch this than a lot of other things that we've already discussed i'm not saying that it's at the top of the list but it's also not a bad one either it's always interesting yeah dude it's gonna spark a conversation regardless of who watches it it's always interesting it just man i know Mm. (laughs) i know plus like the rewatch is it's not quite there for me 
not that great at, at least. No. Nah. If I had to watch it a third time, I'd probably be like, ugh, really? Yeah, if I had to watch it a third time, I would do so in a format where I for sure could play some of the sequences at one and a half times speed. Oh, I kind of considered that for the second time through too. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It's like, is there any way I could speed this up a little bit? Because I already, I already kind of know the bare bones. There's just a couple things you need to go back and see again and make sure for your notes and shit. Like, yeah, exactly. It's but, like, did I see this uh, right? How to interpret this? But yeah, that second time through, it was just like, yeah, I. It can be a little bit of a slog. I don't need fucking ten minutes of running, bro. That's what I'm getting at. It's like everything else is really cool, but yeah, it does take a little bit of liberty with some of that stuff. I don't need you searching for him in the subway for fucking five minutes. Yeah, that was a little long. <laughs> I don't need the puke scene to be four minutes. Exactly. You could have trimmed all that and saved us like 15 minutes right there. I do need that crazy fucking mechanical transformation sequence to be yeah. about five times longer. Yeah, yeah. We need a little bit more of that and less of you puking <laughs> for four minutes. Like you could have puked for 30 seconds. That would have been enough. I am starting to think that I will overall probably enjoy some of the later, more action-y entries into this genre more than some of this early stuff. But but yeah, these definitely laid the foundation. Mm-hmm. It would be somewhat of a you know a disservice to not at least mention these films that help spawn the movement with the Tokyo Gore polices and films of that nature. So I am glad that we got to talk about this film. It's another unearthed film in their catalog. I understand why, you know. And considering it, they got it sometime in the early to mid-2000s, it makes sense because the film itself wasn't, like, you know, particularly old, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, at that time. And probably the only other way you can get it is through bootlegs. And how fucked up would they have been anyway? Mm-hmm. How grainy and dark. And, I mean, this film has its moments where it's hard to see what the fuck's going on as it is. Honestly, I would say that if you have a way to get a bootleg of this movie rather than just watching a clean version, watch neat, that. I was, that would have been kind of cool, though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, that was like, oh, shit, I got this fucked up film. Yeah. I got it on bootleg. <laughs> that was the other thing I almost did for my second watch, and I just didn't have time, really, to get yeah. it done. I didn't <laughs> give myself enough time to do the proper searches and figure out how to make my technology work for me. But I was like, how do I simulate a CRT? Oh, dude, that would have been dope. Yeah. And try to like, how it. do, yeah. How do I tweak the settings on my shit oh. to simulate a CRT when I'm watching this? <sighs> or, like, can I download a player that'll do that? Or, like, see, this is why we need people on uh, Discord and tell us what's up, man. It's like, oh, you fucking noobs. <laughs> I know it's not going to be the same, but can I get it closer to that? Yeah, at least simulate it somewhat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we could be watching it through the lens of 91 in modern day. Yeah. yeah, that, that would, would be, be cool. cool. I truly think that this movie is probably a better experience on older mm. older. Hardware. I think that's a solid point, man. I think certain films were probably intentionally made for that experience. Mm-hmm. And maybe that experience only, given the time. Yeah. <sighs> what are we going to follow this with? <laughs> it's a great question. I've been pondering that uh, <laughs> at least since yesterday because it's like, oh, man, I wonder what we're going to chase this with. I don't know, dude. I mean... You know, it's up in the air. We we usually kind of go this route, so yeah, we'll see. We usually don't know, but it, it's almost even more of a question <laughs> now because it's like we kind of blew it wide open. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite as extreme as we probably intended, but, you know, it has its moments. We'll put it that way. So I guess we're at that part <laughs> of the show, aren't we? Like, do you have anything else you want to th- throw down on this? Like, 
We've already mentioned it, you know, it's cyberpunk subgenre. So if you're still with us, if you haven't done yourself a favor, watch Tetsuo. Also watch Tokyo Gore Police. See what we're talking about, mm-hmm. why we're talking about those films specifically. So, yeah, at least do yourself that favor. Because, and we're eventually going to get to more. Oh, yeah, we can't help but because I think we're both Honestly, fans. Honestly, maybe not that far <laughs> off either. Like, yeah. If what was it last year or two years ago was our year for full core, like oh, dude, yeah. it might be our year for fucking cyberpunk. I'm not opposed, man. I like the subgenre. I think we've already admitted that at least that much. So we've been hitting some. Yo, I'm down. I'm not gonna lie. Like I think we've done a pretty good job, and this movie helps cement that <laughs> of how we set ourselves up for this year when we started with fucking Singapore Sling. Oh, dude, damn. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid point, man. We really did, didn't we? Because we've played with some crazy ones so far this year, I think. It's been fun. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they, yeah, there's still a little bit of life left in this year, but yeah, we've had a good run. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So we're going to go figure out what's next. And for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.